Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 12. Here's Pastor Ryan. So, 2 Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 16, as you know in... First Chronicles, the chronicler, the, the writer, has recorded for us the history of King David's uh, kingdom. He has summarized it, and he emphasizes how God has united the country, united Israel under King David, because the Lord had stripped the kingdom away from King Saul, who would not heed the word of the Lord, as you know, would not obey the Lord, but rejected the Lord from ruling over him. And thus the Lord removed the kingdom from Saul and has given it to King David. And the writer here really focuses on how God miraculously united the country under him and established him. Where in 2 Samuel, Samuel tells us all of the hardships and how difficult it was for David to be established as king of Israel. It wasn't easy, as you know. He wrote about it in the Psalms. It was a difficult time as King Saul tried to kill him and hunted him down, and he was a fugitive. You know the story. You've read those verses, those chapters. But here, the chronicler is showing us just how wonderfully united the country came under David. In chapter 11, in the previous chapter, the mighty men are mentioned, the men that God sent to David in order to help him establish his kingdom. And those men were from mostly from the tribe of Judah. So they were mostly David's tribesmen. They were his people. In chapter 12, though, we have something fascinating that now we're being told that people from the other tribes are coming to David, tribes that, that he was not from. And even the tribe of Benjamin, in which King Saul, that was his tribe. So some of King Saul's family would go and follow after David as well. And that's fascinating to me because we see how when God is building a life, and Jesus, who was a carpenter by trade, a builder of things. That's who God is. He's a builder of lives. He's a builder of churches. He's a builder of nations and kingdoms and businesses and families. The Lord is a builder. Amen? Amen. And when he builds, I am so fascinated and amazed how he can bring the most unlikely people into our lives to help encourage our walk of faith. You ever stop and think whom God has sent into your life to help you in your walk? I bet we can all remember the few first people who, who shared Jesus with us or pointed us to go to a church. And then when we got saved, we can look at all the people God sent in our lives to help us. Jerry Brown was so essential in my life. Mama Sue was essential in my life. They were solid Christians that God sent into my life to help me. And with David, 
you have the most unlikely people now coming to help him in our story. The most unlikely. And I think as believers in Christ, we need to remember that the body of Christ, the church, is greater than all of our cultures. That when we come to Christ, our cultures are still relevant and important, but not above the unity that we have because we believe in Jesus Christ and because his Holy Spirit is in us who believe. His Holy Spirit is what unites us. And the cultures are just there for us to enjoy and have fun with, but no longer to take them as serious as the world does. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29. Paul says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. We're all sons. We're all daughters. Through our faith in Christ, Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. When God builds our life, he, he has resources that will blow our minds. He'll bring in people that are so different from us that in fact, if it wasn't for our common faith in Christ, we probably wouldn't have much to do with one another. Right? You ever are surprised on how diverse and how unique and how different we all are? And I love our church because I believe our church is, is diverse. You know, I, I worry about uh, churches that are just like one culture, churches. You know, I don't believe heaven is going to be that way. So we should strive to say, Lord, may more and more different people of different cultures come into our church so that we can have a taste of what heaven is like. But the most unlikely people have helped me in various ways, not just practically, but in love and accepting of various cultures, knowing that the cultures now take a back seat to our unity in Christ. And it's amazing to me. It's, it's a witness to this lost world to see, you know, judges and police officers be brothers and sisters to ex-criminals. I've seen it. I sit there and I, and I just giggle over how God can put that together. He, can, he just puts us all together. But we have to be conscious of the reality that God can bring anyone into our life, different cultures, to help us in our walk. We have to be humble enough to love God with everything we have and to love our neighbor as ourself so that we can love each other within the church and be able to receive from one another, edify one another, build each other up, no matter who or where we are at. In Mexico, I remember on that first trip, you know, Pastor Jerry uh, introducing me to, to a certain man who was wealthy. And he told me afterwards how wealthy that man was. And that wealthy man spent a lot of his time and energy ministering to the poor there. And I learned at that moment that not all wealthy people are, are greedy for gain and just into themselves. I learned that in Mexico. This guy's been there for years, and I'm half Mexican. That's my first <laughs> mission trip there. So I learned, because that's out of my culture. I didn't know anybody with money. On our Israel trip, I met a, a man 
beautiful man by the name of Dr. Helmy. And Dr. Helmy was a doctor, but not just any doctor. He was the head of cancer research for the Orange County Basin. He was the man. All the doctors waited on him to address them, teach them, show them. He was the main guy. He's been on these Mexico outreaches with us, with a line of people where he ministers to them. And he would always say, I want your wife with me to interpret. So Clarissa would interpret for him. That's out of my culture. I don't know. There's no doctors in South Delmani where I'm from. But he came to help me, and he would call me sweetheart, of all things. Sweetheart! And he would kiss me. He was Egyptian. Egyptian-American. We were on the plane. And he goes, I'm going to go see my family in Egypt. You want to go? Dr. Helmut, I don't have any money. <laughs> he goes, I'll pay for you. You know what I mean? It was just the Lord bringing the most unlikely people to show me how to be more like Jesus. But if I was, oh, oh, doctors, high and mighty, wealthy people, high and mighty, police officers, high and mighty, judges, high and mighty, it, it's just the Lord does that because he's awesome. We're all sinners, right? But we have to get used to each other. But who he brings to help establish your life and mine, be open to anybody, anybody. Paul would say to the Corinthian church as he was actually correcting them and giving them a a rebuke he was dealing with with sin issues they second corinthians they were you know repentive and stuff but anyways he said in first corinthians uh, second corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 and 22 he says now he who establishes us with you in christ and is christ and has anointed us is god who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee so he said to the corinthian church that it, it, Christ has established, us, has established us together with you. Like he knew that it was Christ that brought them together. And here are David's, you know, his, his nemesis, his adversary, the people that supported his adversary are now supporting him. Only God can do that. God establishes you, he establishes me, he establishes David. We don't want to get in the way of God building our lives. And we can get in the way of God building our lives. I've seen throughout my journey with the Lord, friends, acquaintances, people in church, who we all started the same, but we're in different places spiritually. And it wasn't because God loved one over the other. It's personal choices as to are we going to allow Jesus to establish and build our lives or are we going to hinder? We can hinder him by not seeking him and believing him like we ought to. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says that we are to come to him, that he is the door, that he is the shepherd, that he gives his life for the sheep and that the enemy has come to destroy our lives, but he has come to give us life and that much more abundant. In other words, he has come to build our lives in him. But like we read in the Old Testament, the fathers in the wilderness, as they, God took them from Egypt to the promised land, in those 40 years they went in circles and in circles and in circles. We, the Bible says concerning them that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited 
what God was trying to, to establish because of their unbelief. They weren't walking with God. They weren't seeking him. So if we're going to grow, we need to seek him. This is why you, we read the word from the get-go. If you're just born, you know, people are being saved at our church, praise the Lord. People are new believers. The key is to abide in Christ. Read the word and he will establish you. Read the word. Do everything you can to soak up Jesus because the more of him that you have, the more established you're going to be. And the less you have of him, the less established you're going to be. In Jeremiah 3, that verse that I butchered a few weeks ago, verse 15 or 14 to 15, it's Jeremiah 3, 14 through 15. Jeremiah, you know, just prophesying about Israel needing to come back to God and what benefit that would be to them if they came back to God. He says, return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family and I will bring you to Zion. I will bring different people together and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. You walk with me, Ryan, and you don't know. You're going to meet Mama Sue. You're going to meet Pastor Jerry. You're going to meet uh, Dr. Helmy. You're going to meet yada, 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 yada. And the same goes for all of us. We walk with the Lord and we're going to meet people on our journey that are going to help us, right? Point, point us to Jesus, help us in our maturity. Again, the people that are coming, it's cool because they're not of his tribe. They're actually Saul's family. And they're just like, they see what God is doing and they're supporting David. In verse 16, it says, then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah, now Benjamin again is the tribe of Saul, came to David at the stronghold. And David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, if you have peaceably, if you come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united with you. But if to betray me to my enemies, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment. Then the spirit came upon Amasa, chief of the captains, and he said, we are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. And think about that. They came because they recognized that God helps David by you living a life that witnesses to people, witnesses to people that you love God, when people see that you and I love God, the people that he brings into our life to, to give us favor are going to see that witness and we'll be able to say, you're receiving this favor because we see that God is with you and that you are with God. They went to David because he lived a life that witnessed that he was with God and God was with him. How many people have been blessed with jobs because they go in there filled with the Spirit, loving Jesus, and it just, you know, it's like a nuclear bomb in that. They have to hire you because he's pulling the strings. But if there's no light and you go in there like, oh, here are my talents. They're concerned. Anyone who owns a business, is, you know, your talent is good. But what do, what do managers and supervisors and business owners want when they hire people? Faithfulness, right? Punctuality, kindness. Character is what they're looking for. The talent has to be there, yes, but it's almost like they would rather have someone who has a good character, 
and work on the talent versus someone who has all this talent, but they're just not full of God's light. So it's pretty special here that David goes out to meet them, and this is his prerequisite. Like, they're amazing soldiers. They're coming, but they're coming from what used to be his adversaries, you know, the tribe of Benjamin. So he wants to know, are you faithful? And because they declared their faithfulness, and by God's spirit, he spoke. So David received them and made them captains of the troop. When did he make them captains of the troop? When he saw that they were faithful. And so that hasn't changed. That's a church that's what we follow at Sweet Hills. We are so, we want more and more, yes, talent and abilities and experiences to come here. Those who have experience, who have served the Lord, we want them to come. But what we want to know most of all is, are you called here? Can you, can you receive the ministry here? Uh, can you be faithful here in the little things? That's a safe measure that the Bible gives us. Amen? Amen. So it's not like something I make up. Okay, it's something that's biblical. Uh, Paul told Timothy, these need to be, you know, the things that you've heard and, and have seen in me, Paul says, give this to, to faithful men who can teach others also. So faithfulness must be, you know, seen. So what's most important is just friendship, uh, love. And then it says in verse 19, and some from Manasseh defected to David when he was going uh, with the Philistines to battle against Saul. But they did not help him, for the lords of the Philistines sent him away by agreement, saying he may defect to his master Saul and endanger our heads. When he went to Ziglag, those of Manasseh who defected to him were Adna, Josabad, Jedile, Michael, Josabad, Elihu, and Zilathai, captains of the thousands who were from Manasseh, and they helped David against the bands of raiders, for they were all mighty men of valor, and they were captains in the army. For at that time they came to David day by day to help him until it was a great army like the army of God. So it's telling us the story of when, you remember when David was, was running from Saul and he was amongst the Philistines living with them. And then as the Philistines were going to fight against Saul and the Israelites, David was was like, okay, Saul, Saul, I can fight against Saul. Saul's coming after me. And so at that time, some of the tribe of Manasseh, which is east, on the east of the Jordan near the region of Galilee, they joined, they defected from Saul at that moment and were going to help David. But the Philistines complained to the king, remember, and said, hey, look, if you let these Israelites fight on our side, David and these guys from the tribe of Manasseh, they might turn on us as we're fighting their brothers. So don't have them fight. That's the story that they're repeating here. But it says here that when they did not fight and they were able to, to leave, those who defected, those from Manasseh, those captains followed him. And so they were leaders, they were captains, and they defected to David. Why? Because Saul had turned from the Lord. So they defected him. When does God bless? When we abide in him. When does God remove blessings? When does he chasten? When we begin to live for ourselves. When we begin to neglect his word. Neglect our friendship with him. Our love for him. Then we just experience hardships. 
chastening, missing out, not enjoying life. But when we abide in him, he just brings the things that we need. And I love that with David, it says that his army grew and, and day by day they came. In other words, it was a continual provision of the men of valor that David would need to establish his kingdom. And the Lord does the same for you and I today in our battle. And every day it's a war, it's a battle. It's a race and it's a battle that we're in. We're to fight the good fight. And every day God supplies our needs for the battle of that day. You ever notice that? It's a day by day. That's why we call it, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Too many of us are worried about the future. And I'm one of you. I mean, I, I have my share of worrying. I mean, we live in a country where crazy is like the norm now. And things are changing so rapidly. And all the information is up there for us to see. And it can be disheartening and we can become pessimistic or lose our hope, God forbid. Be discouraged, God forbid. So rather than focus on all of those things, it's best to go to our king, to thank him every morning for our salvation, and to ask him, give me what I need for today to do your will. You guide the hours of my day today. Help me to focus on what you would have me do today and not worry about tomorrow. We'll end tonight with Matthew 6, please, if you turn there with me. Verse 25. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Money is what he was talking about. We can't serve two gods, God and, and money or mammon. God needs to be first. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will wor worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles." Thinking about retirement will probably drive some of you crazy, for those of you who have ever thought about <laughs> your nest egg and all of that. It's not that we shouldn't plan. It's not that we shouldn't be wise with our income. But God doesn't want us to worry. To worry as if he's not on the throne watching our back. He has our back. 
We can only plan so much. At the end of the day, our life is in His hands. Our life is in His hands, and, it, it, and we are safe in His hands. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for your grace, your love and mercy. We ask your blessing, Lord, as we take communion now. But Lord, we want to ask those that are in attendance, there may be someone here who hasn't given their life to you, but would like to tonight. We want to ask them if they would like to accept you and repent of their sins. So if you're here this evening and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, but God's been speaking to your heart, and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you. If you believe that and would like to accept him, please raise your hand. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.